0: So glad to have the Kleinness with us. Uh, Brother Kleinness is a friend of mine. We've traveled the world together. He's preached at LifePoint uh, quite a few times. Back in the earliest days, uh, he was with us uh, at, at our first house in uh, and, and, uh, uh, River Community back when we met at the Presbyterian Church in those early days. Whipped that big old coach up there. And, and uh, it was in some of the earliest days of LifePoint. Folks, we've been on a journey. You hear what I'm saying? We've been on a journey, and the Kleinists have been with us in the uh, earliest days of that. And I want him to come right now, make himself at home, and bring the word of the Lord. He just happened to be in town. Uh, It just happened to work out. And I told him last night, I said, this must be God putting all things together. I believe God's got a word for us. He's going to speak to us. He's going to do some powerful things today. Are you ready? You ready to plug in? You're going to give everything you got for the next Little bit, right? Amen. Why don't you stand with me right now and welcome the man of God? Thank you, Pastor,
1: Thank you. Thank you, Pastor and praise the Lord, everyone. I'll tell you what, Pastor Valerie, acting so um, giddy up here about that announcement. I thought, well, they're expecting. I mean, you can just feel it. We have an announcement to make, and they're all laughing. No, oh, they're expecting. It's unbelievable. Look what's going to happen. But then I realized the next best thing. Amen. I guess the better thing. <laughs> Amen. We are very happy to be here today and be with all of you, see the good growth and what the Lord is doing here at LifePoint. And as pastor has said several times, we are very good uh, friends, have been for, yeah, 30. That's it. Seemed like we should be able to say numbers like that but uh, just a long time, and I'm thrilled to be here with them today. And I know you're blessed under the leadership of this great man and woman of God and their family. Aren't you blessed here? Aren't you happy about it, excited about it? Amen. The future is great. And then, of course, I'm happy to be here with my first wife of 32 years. Amen. And uh, my oldest son, Zachary, and his fiance. they are getting married April the 7th. Amen. Sister Macy, we're glad they are traveling with us. we we'll are be over in Denham this afternoon for a healing service and then off to the Because of the Times Comforts and then off to California and then back to here and then back to Florida. And that's just the way we roll. We just keep moving like a rolling stone. Amen. I tell you, this, the, the worship today, the worship service was so encouraging. Just lifted my spirit right up into the presence of the Lord. And I'm just going to ask you one last time before you're seated and we talk about the Word of the Lord, would you lift your hands all over this house and just worship the Lord. Just thank Him for something. Be grateful for all of His blessings in your life. Lord, we are so thankful. We are so grateful. We are so blessed for all that You have done. We pray, Lord, that You would allow Your Spirit to speak to our hearts and speak to our minds in this service here today. Let us draw closer with our whole heart and with our whole mind and with our whole spirit to you, O oh God, for a life change in our lives. And let's give the Lord a big hand, praise, shall we? <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm not getting on Facebook here or anything. I'm just setting my timer, so I know there's a stopping point here at some point. In his book, The Johnstown Flood, Writer David McCullough outlined an interesting viewpoint and I want to talk about today to our hearts. I, uh, I don't know what you expected me to do. Sometimes reputation proceeds, but this got in my spirit this morning and I can't get away from it, avoiding the crisis of complacency. He outlined this viewpoint. He said the, the flood, sometimes called the great flood, happened May 31st 1889 2209 people lost their lives in the Johnstown flood many of the bodies were never discovered to this day it is one of the most devastating disasters to hit a single american town oddly enough everybody could have easily been saved they died simply because they did not take their situation seriously. The flood was caused by above average rain which caused a poorly constructed dam to an often neglected dam to give way and break and the flood came down from the dam break. The problem was everybody knew it was possible. Everybody knew the dam had overflowed before. As a matter of fact, the city had been flooded up to three feet several times prior to this, and every single year, the spring rains brought floods. Engineers repeatedly warned of the danger. Everyone knew it could happen. Everyone knew it probably would happen someday. Just no one expected it to happen to them or to happen now. As a matter of fact, once the dam began to break away, they had more than an hour before the floods reached the city. They even had time for them to ride on horseback down into the city and warn them, the dam has given way. The town is going to flood. But even when the water began to pull up around their ankles and when they were wading through the town in knee-deep water, They could not get people to leave because they had seen all of these things before. So 2,209 people who were aware of the danger, who received many warnings, advance warning, and even emergency warning died due to a severe and fatal crisis of complacency. My brothers and sisters, we are living in an urgent hour. The scripture is making alarms in every direction. We are seeing unprecedented signs in the heavens and the earth in the political landscape. And if we're not careful, we will fall prey to this complacency of spirit and allow ourselves to be a a, a, a calamity that is unnecessary in our lives. I notice the incredible passion and worship in the music today and it's so refreshing just to feel the energy and the upbeat that come through this music. May the Lord help us have that same passion in prayer. When we say let's just lift our hands and worship the Lord that the same passion and the same fervency can come right out of our hearts that comes out of this drum cage and comes off these guitar strings and off these keyboards. That we learn, see, we these worshipers up here, the praise team, they are worship leaders. Meaning they are leading us to worship, saying, go the way I'm going. Do what I'm doing. They're not here for us to just watch and observe and enjoy as an entertainment. But we are to enter into that flow and lift up our praise. They're to help carry us into the spirit. <laughs> Can somebody say praise the, praise the Lord? Proverbs chapter 24, in case you're wondering if I'm going to read from the Bible. Chapter 30, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding and lo, it was grown over with thorns and nettles and covered the face thereof and the stone wall was broken down and I saw and considered it well and looked upon it and received instruction yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep and poverty shall come upon one that travaileth and I want as an armed man. It is a scripture that outlines the complacent heart. Complacency is a feeling of quiet pleasure, security, often while unaware of incredible potential danger. It's a defect like self-satisfaction or a smug satisfaction with your current existing situation or condition. I travel all over the world preaching in different churches every single week. And my observation is today churches are dealing with a crisis of complacency. Don't get me wrong. I meet good people everywhere. Good people just like you in this church here today. People that love the Lord. They're not mad. They're not upset. They're not ready to cause a church split. They're not ready to try to call a vote on the pastor. They're not out front picketing in front of the church. They're not mad about anything. They're not upset. They're not ready to just throw a fit, cause a great rebellion. They're just um, not real fired up, just not too passionate, not very aggressive, not easily moved, just kind of sauntering, whatever will be, will be, Now we go, there it was, and whatever, whatever. I don't even know these days, you know, back in the old days of the church and everybody was worried about church splits. I don't even know these days if people care enough about anything to cause a church split. Don't care what color the walls are. Doesn't matter what color, what kind of carpet we got in. Don't care when service is. Doesn't matter what they sing. Doesn't matter what they preach. We've got to get our heart in this thing. The past few years we've had blood moons, solar eclipses. Unprecedented earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, fires burning up half the country, wars, rumors of wars on a daily basis. We just recently had the constellation that lined up with Revelations chapter 12. It barely even gets our attention. And it makes me wonder, whatever your ideas are about blood moons and solar eclipses and, and all the signs of the end times and the, and the chip and the mark of the beast, and, and I was buying some cryptocurrency the other day, getting into a little bit of Bitcoin, you know, and somebody said, well, that's the Antichrist. I said, well, he ain't got it yet, and I'm going to try to make some money before he gets it. I said, you know, we got a little space here. Might need to buy some supplies. We've got to the place that it makes me wonder, church, just exactly what would have to happen. I mean, I get it, you know. We, people say, here is the Lord, and there is the Lord, and there's been all these, you know, people cried wolf before. And to the point, like the scripture said, we would say, where is the sign of his coming? What would have to happen? If it's not the blood moons and it's not the solar eclipse and it's not the constellation and it's not the wars and rumors of wars and floods and earthquakes and fires and everything else going on, that if it's not the marching in the streets and it's not the political upheaval and it's not the coming together of a world economic system and, and watching all that's going on in the Middle East, if none of that means anything, then what would have to happen? What would God have to do to get our attention? Lately, it seems that those who are protesting righteousness, those who are against morality, those who are against what we are doing, seem to be more vocal, more stirred up than those of us who are trying to stand for what is right and oppose evil. This was the accusation that was levied at the Laodicean church. He said, I wish you were cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm, there's nothing better than an ice cold drink on a hot summer day, and there's nothing better than a piping hot hot chocolate or cup of coffee, amen, or a hot cup of soup on a cold and blistery day. But there's nothing worse than something lukewarm in either situation. He said, I wish you were cold. I wish you were hot. I wish you were one way or the other to a little more of an extreme measure. Get a little past the middle line here somewhere. Get a, get, you know, go all in. He said, I would you were one way or the other. You would think they would have been aware of such backsliding. You would think they would have been desiring to recover themselves from their weak condition, but not so. They simply said, we are rich. We are increased with goods. We have need of nothing. We're fine the way we are. I like it here. I'm comfortable here. I'm happy here. You're complacent there we have been lulled to sleep into a complacency, as though as long as we have our creature comforts, uh, we are happy. Let the world burn around us. I'm comfortable where I am, but I have come to be a prophetic wake-up call today and tell you what the scripture said of those very people. He said, what you don't know is you are naked and wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, and you are more needy than you realize. You are in a worse situation than you are aware of, and It wasn't just the Laodicean church that was chastised. Even that strong church in Ephesus was dealing with the crisis of complacency. He said, I know your works. I've seen your labor. You've held the truth, but you have not wavered. But you have left your first love. You're faithful, but you're not passionate. They have a peril of having bought in, but not sold out. I know I'm preaching to good people today. But I need to just remind you a little something about this Christian walk. There is no real middle ground here. It's you're either all in or you're not in at all. A, this is an over-the-top experience. This is an extreme situation. You don't just casually get in line here and just sort of ease along with the crowd. He said, you're going to deny yourself. You have to take up this cross and follow me. This is an all-in experience. This requires somebody to give themselves away. You give your life to Christ, not just a token. It's not just a handshake. It's an all-in experience. The rich young ruler came to Jesus wanting to buy in. He said, well, the cost is mighty high. You're you're rich. You're increased with goods. Go sell what you have. Give it to the poor. And he stood there, and as he weighed the situation, he said, my temporal condition is far superior to whatever eternal condition you're offering me, and I choose the temper over the eternal. The rich young ruler walked away grieved because he was complacent. He was satisfied with what he had. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to get in a situation because I have a desire to live for God, that God's got to make me so miserable and so upset and so crumble my life around me that i got to run through the back door and run to an altar and scream and pray. I want to go ahead and exercise my free will and say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm not just faithful, but I'm passionate. I'm not just here, but I'm here with my heart. I'm here with my mind. I'm here with my soul. I'm here with my finance. I'm here with my prayer I'm here with my worship I'm all in Hallelujah I feel a a call in this church I don't know how many years along we are here now Pastor Donovan but I feel a call in this church today I'm going to prophetically tell you what I see in the spirit it's as though we are coming to a line And the Lord is saying it's time for this church to cross the line. It's time for you to move into discipleship. There will always be a call to the lost. Every church will always throughout its whole lifespan present a call to the lost souls, call to the prodigals to come home, call to the lost to be saved. But as the church grows, as the church goes through its seasons, there comes a time when the Spirit starts calling that inner core, starts calling those that are trying to be faithful and building to discipleship to where they're saying, you know what, this is the most important thing in my life. This is is the most important thing happening. I am arranging my entire life around LifePoint and what I do here. This is the central focus of all that I am and all that I do. That's discipleship. Jesus said you're going to leave that behind and come and follow me. You're going to be all in for the Lord Jesus Christ. I feel the call for disciples in this house today. If you're not saved, there's always a call to get saved. It's always a place in an altar to repent of your sins and get things right with God. There's always a baptistry somewhere over there to get baptized in and, and wash away your sins. That's always available. It's always an opportunity to be filled or refilled with the baptism of the Spirit of the living God. Amen. And let Him just flood your soul. But then there is this extended call to those of us who have already been to the water and already been baptized and we've already been converted and here we are in our walk with God. I feel a call going out to us today saying you got to get all in. The prophetic promise of complacency is the travail of of calamity yeah I know it's not a real happy prophecy is it to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin that's pretty strong the whole allegation and the parable of the talents is against the man who simply did nothing with what he'd been given he didn't do anything bad he just didn't do anything good he just didn't do anything at all. He has took the talent, his one talent, buried it in the dirt, kept it, and then brought it and gave it back. I haven't lost anything. The Lord said, not good enough. That's not what I gave it to you for. I didn't give you that gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of my spirit, the gift of faith. I didn't give you that gift. I didn't give you that gift, these wonderful gifted musicians. I didn't give you that gift just to sit on it and just to idle on it. I've given it to you to produce. I've given you the gifting. I've given you the ability that you could use it and put it to work in the marketplace and do something with it. But he simply did nothing. Something would have been better than nothing. You're looking for a theme for 2018 for your life? Something is better than nothing. Do something because something is always better than nothing. I was talking with a, some folks one time I talking about one of our elders that would sit on these boards of the church, you know, the church boards and the hierarchy of the church and they'd been in the board meeting for hours and discussing and trying to figure out what to do and finally he said, Brethren, let's just do something even if it's wrong. I mean, after a while, you got to do something. And I'm telling you, I, I feel an urgency in my spirit to appeal to somebody today. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. You can't, like those four lepers said, why sit we here till we die? Why just sit here and waste away? Why sit here and just go on to our death? Why sit here and do nothing? If we go over there and they kill us, well, it's no worse than we're going to sit here and die a slow death. Let's just try something because something is always Better than nothing. I'm gonna tell you what, try to praise God. Even if you don't praise Him good, amen. Bad praise is better than no praise. Go ahead and sing, even if you sing off key. Off key singing is better than no singing. Go ahead and lift your hand, even if you look a little awkward. Awkward's better than nothing. Something's always better than nothing. Come to the altar. You don't have to know how to do everything. Just come and pray. Come and worship. Come and put your heart in. Volunteer for one of these groups. You don't know what else group to get in. Get into the quilting group. How hard can that be? I, used, I, was, I did pretty good in school. I didn't have to study much. I could pass my tests. I just had an intuitive ability to hear and retain knowledge and pass tests. I only ever failed one single class in my entire uh, schooling career, and that was home ec. And it was on the sewing. I did pretty good on the cooking, but I found out I could not sew. They tried to get us to make a tunic, and my, yeah, it just had a back and a front, and you had to sew them together. But mine, it just wouldn't line up. And my mother was always a great sewer. She could make dresses and all kinds of stuff, and little dresses for dolls, and she'd do all kinds of stuff. And I took it to my mother, and she worked with her. She said, I can't fix this. I was like, oh, dear God. I failed home ec. Try. Try something. Get out of your box. Get Get out of your rut. Get out! Get out of that rut you're in. All all that a rut is is a grave with both ends knocked out of it. Get out of that! Don't die there. Don't live twenty more years in the situation you're in. Shake yourself and say, I'm not living exactly like this for the next twenty years. I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna I'm gonna shake up things here a little bit. We're gonna get more faithful. If you don't come to midweek, start coming to midweek. Change your schedule and see what happens. If you don't have a daily prayer reading with the Bible, start reading your Bible every day and see what the Lord will do. I heard one of their fasting things was no negative talk. I probably need that one because I've gotten a little older. I'm 52. I got a lot of miles on me, 160,000 miles last year. I got aches and pains, and I want people to know you know you know the Bible tells you you reap what you sow and all that stuff when I was leading crusade teams and stuff and I still do every once in a while but I'd bring people on a team with me somewhere and all the new ones that was on the team my, my wife can remember they, they'd show up I'd say alright we're getting ready to get started here's rule number one there will be a certain amount of suffering involved in this meeting rule number two you will be required to suffer in silence oh yeah that's funny when it was everybody else. But I found out I don't suffer in silence too good. I want people to know my pain. I'm hurting. I've, been, I've latched on to this phrase. and it makes everybody in my family laugh. But I've latched onto this phrase over the last couple of months. You know, People don't know what I've been through. People just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. It should, my wife will want me to do this or that or put a little pressure on me. I say, you don't know what I've been through. You just don't know. We want people to understand what we're going through. Let me tell you something here today. Get over the negative talk. Maybe, maybe I need to make that commitment and fast the negative talk. Break myself out of my own little box. Say, hey, you know what? What if I'd wake up every day and make a declaration of something positive? Just a daily declaration. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. I'm getting stronger, not weaker. I'm getting better, not worse. I'm going to live strong. I'm going to live for God. The devil is losing. God is winning in my life. What if you just started saying right out loud, I've got a feeling something good is about to happen. I've got a feeling something good is on its way. What What if you got a little song in your heart? Amen. That said, I feel like something good is about to happen in my life. I've got a feeling everything is going to be all right. Do you have a feeling everything's going to be all right? Are you expecting impending doom? Well, can you handle a little bit more warning? I know this is kind of coming in deep here a little bit. Amen. In Judges chapter 5, God goes to war. Praise ye the Lord for avenging of Israel when the, willing, when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. When thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marched in the fields of Edom, the Bible said the earth trembled, the heavens dropped, the clouds dropped water. The mountains melted before the, before the Lord. And by the time you get down to verse 18, it says Zebulun and Nephtali were a people that jeoparded their lives to the death in the high places of the field. The kings came and fought. They gathered together and joined the battle. They took no gain of money. You don't have to pay us. It was a common practice in those days that when one king went to war, he could call the other kings with their nations and pay them money and they'd come help fight. But the kings came and got involved in the battle and said, we don't even need the money. We're just going to fight for the cause. Oh, what would happen if somebody just got a cause in their spirit? Said, oh, no, pastor, you don't have to pay us, man. We just won't get this thing done. We just want to work for the Lord. We, we just, is there not a cause? We, we just feel good about this. We're just passionate about this thing. The Bible said they fought from the heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. The ancient river of Kishon swept them away. Then the horses' hooves were broken by the means of the prancing. It looked like everything was working together. The clouds were doing their part. Uh, The seas were doing their part. The horses' hooves, the horses were saying, Well, I don't know what we can do, but maybe we can just stomp on them. The clouds said, I can't do much, but I can rain on them and make a mudslide. Everything, the wind said, I don't know what I can do, but maybe I can just come and blow against them and make it hard for them to get anywhere. The heavens were doing everything they could to assist in the battle. Everything was coming together. The, the river said, I don't know what I can do, but just throw them in over here and I'll just wash them away for you. Everybody was using whatever they could, whatever they had to get involved in the victory. I'll do my part. I can do a little something because something's better than nothing. You get all the way down to verse 23, and then it turns real bad real fast. "Cursed ye, Mirage, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly, you inhabitants thereof, because you came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. You know, that's an astounding verse to me. No major sin, no abomination of righteousness no great tragedy, no blaspheming the heavens, no cursing God, but here comes the angel of the Lord and brings a curse upon Mirage, said simply for one reason, you could have helped, you could have lightened the load, you could have assisted in the effort, everybody was doing something, Naphtali and Zebulon were out there hazarding their lives, but you did nothing. You just didn't get involved. You just didn't participate. You just never lifted a finger. I've come to tell somebody it's time for this church to get fully engaged for everybody that wants it to be strong to do whatever it is you can do. If you can tighten up a doorknob, tighten a doorknob. If you can paint a wall, paint a wall. If you can run electrical wire, run some wire. If you can trim a bush, trim a bush. Whatever your ability is. If you can work a computer, work it for the church, amen. If you can sing a song, sing one for the Lord. Whatever ability we have, we all have something we can offer. We all have some way we can get involved. You young people around here, some of the most talented, gifted generation that has ever been. We have the most talented, youthful generation that has ever been raised up. When I, these days, us parents, when we need stuff done, we go to our kids and ask them how to do it. That's a reversal from the way it's been for every generation. But there's a generation being raised up that they are getting such training and early exposure, and we're in a transition generation. Some of us, I, my fingers never touched the keyboard till I was out of school. I didn't have a cell phone in high school. So we're still looking at these things kind of with wondering eyes. It's like, what will that do? Uh, amen but this stuff is intuitive to this generation. They just have a mindset for it. Use your skill. Use your If you're good on social media, use it for something more than gossip. Get on that social media and build up your church and, and create atmosphere and create momentum and look what the Lord has done. Now I'm going to get strong here, but you listen to me. If it's not today, it's going to be someday that you're going to need this church to be strong. You're going to need this church when you're going through your valley, and you can barely breathe, and you can barely put one foot in front of the other, and you're going to just try to get over here to the house of God, and you're going to get out of your car and try to stumble into this service with just a little bit of strength, man, you're going to want these musicians to have a good song. You're going to want them to be fired up. You're going to want somebody to have been in the prayer room creating a prayer atmosphere. You're going to want the pastor to have a good word that's going to lift you up because I'm in need here, and if it's not today, it's going to be someday that you're going to walk through the those doors breathing your last breath and you're going to need a song of praise. You're going to need somebody that can lay their hand on you and feel some strength flow through your body. You ought to start making this strong now because one day when you walk in, i, can, I, I never forget this. I was raised up in and around the church. I got baptized when I was 12 years old, received the Holy Ghost when I was seven. And uh, was around the church for all my early years, teenage years, all out of church my whole teenage years. Came back into the church about 19 years old, 20 years old. Walked into the apostolic lighthouse in Frederick, Maryland. And man, they were playing the drums and playing the music, fired up. People were shouting and dancing. I'm glad they kept worshiping when I quit. I'm glad they kept singing when I stopped singing. When I stopped singing, I just started singing a different song. I'm glad while I was out at the rock concerts and I was smoking dope and I was doing all my foolish business, I'm glad there were still people coming to the house of God. They were still preaching and worshiping because when I got desperate and I needed God and I walked back to the church, the fire was burning. There was people doing what you're doing right here. They were still clapping. They were still worshiping. When I walked in, they had a fire burning that could warm my soul. They were singing the first song. And when I was able to get my hands in the air, five preachers had their hands on my head praying me through. I'm thankful somebody was faithful and somebody was passionate. Let me put it to you this way. What kind of service would you want this church to be having? When your prodigal son or daughter comes home, you know, you can think it doesn't matter. So I don't care what they say. I don't care what graphics they put up. They worry too much about them graphics. I don't care nothing about them graphics on that screen. Doesn't matter to me what they say. Doesn't matter to me what pastor preaches. It's all good. It's all fine with me. Let me tell you something. Your backslidden son or daughter comes with you to this service. You'll start noticing everything. Suddenly you'll notice if the usher was at the door and whether they opened it up for you and did they greet you. You'll notice, did they smile? You walk by them right now, don't pay no attention to them. Bring your backslider with you. You'll pay attention. You'll notice how everything looks. You'll notice where, how the chairs are lined up. What's it smell like in here? You'll notice the light. Oh, we got a light out. Hope they don't notice we got one of the lights out. All that stuff you don't pay no attention to, you come alive when suddenly it's heaven and hell for somebody you care about. Suddenly you'll the, you'll notice the song. You'll notice which ones are singing, which ones aren't. You'll notice how everything transitions, how it goes. You'll notice them graphics up on the screen. You'll be sitting on the edge of your seat as pastor. Oh, what's he going to preach? What text is he going to bring? What what word? Oh, that's a good point. Well, that's a good point. That's why I preach that, pastor. You'll be hanging on the edge of everything. You may may sleep your way through services that don't seem to matter to you now, but when somebody you love is sitting here, when you finally get that husband here, when you finally get that wife here, when you finally get that one you've been teaching Bible study, and they walk in, my question is, what kind of worship would you like to see? What kind of songs would you like to hear? How important would it be for the sound system and everything to be in place? What kind of prayer would you like to hear in the house of God? What kind of faith level? would you like to hear what kind of healing flow would you like somebody to believe in a miracle hey you might be sitting here thinking, I hope he just hurries up and gives the altar call so we can get out of here not if you have your prodigal you'll be waiting for that oh man the altar call has got to be just right today hope the altar call is just right on point and then, then it will matter to you if anybody goes or not See, when, it, when it's not affecting you, it doesn't matter if anybody comes to the altar and prays or not, you're ready to go eat. But when it's your prodigal, you want the altar full. You want people to be down there praying. It'll matter that the ministers come over and lay hands, and you'll hope they've been praying, and you'll hope they've been fasting social media, fasting negative talk, and fa- all that. That's, it doesn't seem to matter until it matters. But here's the deal David made a statement one time. He said, Early will I seek thee, O Lord. We've used that scripture, pastor, to have early morning prayer. Uh, I like a little definition of early, will I seek thee. Early, if you look it up, simply means before the appointed time, before the needed time, before the expected time. Now, everybody prays when they're in trouble. That's the expected time you pray. Of course you pray when you're in trouble. But David said, I'm going to seek you early. I'm going to pray before I'm in an emergency. I'm going to pray before I'm in a crisis. I'm going to talk to the Lord before the chips are down and it all matters. You don't want to wait till you're up at the hospital with somebody you love and the doctor's saying it's touch and go to go down to the chapel and try to figure out how to pray. That's not where you want to start getting a book out that tells you how to talk to the Lord. You better start learning how to pray now. Get to these prayer rooms and get in the flow now. So, when the tips are down and the doctor says that we don't know what's going to happen, it's touch and go. You walk into that chapel and you know exactly what to do. You know how to lift your hand and touch the Lord and say, Lord, it's me. And I'm coming to you today. I've got a serious situation. My loved one's up there, and I need you to send an angel. You want to learn how to get angels down here, you want to learn how to get the blood flowing. You want to learn how to find an anointing. And if the devil comes with doubt, oh, I recognize what you're doing. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you how to overcome and avoid the crisis of complacency. When the chips are down and you're in the middle of the emergency, it's too late to shake the dust off. It's too late to get the rust out. It's too late to figure it out. You're just going to go through that crisis with whatever you've built up till you get there. But here we are in the house of God today. and I'm saying today before the crisis hits uh, you can get on fire for God I know this is a different kind of Sunday sermon it's different the way I normally preach but I'm just telling you we need a volunteer spirit to get loose in this church we need a get involved attitude to get in this church you may not have saw it outside but outside this church out on the wall there's a giant sign billboard out there start looking for it when you come to church Giant billboard says, help wanted. Apply inside. There's help needed here. Everyone can do something. And no matter how small it may seem, something's better than nothing. Help in the nursery. I bet you they need help. I just about killed the whole spirit just mentioning it. (laughs) Joining the cleaning crew. Bring a visitor to church. If you can't teach a Bible study. I'm just not a Bible study teacher. I, don't know, I, just, I just don't have the I just don't have the, the confidence to teach a Bible study. Babysit for someone who does. We'll watch your kids while you teach Bible study. I can't lead a life group. I can stay around after it's over and help clean the house back up. Buy a Bible so I can I, I can't teach no Bible study and I ain't babysitting nobody's kids. Buy a Bible study chart. Buy some materials. Look, I can buy the stuff. You teach it. It's everybody can do something. Everybody has a way to get involved. If you can't do anything else, say, look, I'll be praying for you while you're teaching the Bible study. What time's does the Bible study start? I'll start at 730 and I'll pray till 830. I'll walk around my house and I'll keep asking the Lord to touch and minister. Everyone can do something. When you come to the house of God, maybe you're not a worship leader. Maybe you're not a musician. Maybe you're not an usher. But you can walk in here and we say, let's all worship the Lord. You can lift your voice. You can add to the atmosphere. You can create flow. You can create a joyful noise. You can pray for the leadership. So I can't do anything else but I can pray for my pastor and his wife. I can pray they're strong. I can pray that God speaks to them. I can pray that God uses them. I can pray for all the ones that are singing. I can pray for all the ones that are playing. And if nothing else, I can pray for this lost city. I can pray for the lost that God will send angels. If you can't sing, shout. If you can't shout, clap. If you can't clap, say amen. If you can't say amen, walk to an altar. If you can't get to the altar, pray at your seat. If you can't Lead, give. If you can't give, worship. But something, anything is better than nothing. Come on, what can you do right now? Can you clap your hands? Can you shout hallelujah? Can you say praise the Lord? Can you say help me, Jesus? Woo! I feel a shifting in the atmosphere. I prophesy this church forward. I prophesy passion. I prophesy fire. Woo. You know, we talk a lot about impartation. I'm, my timer's out, but I'm going to take an extra two minutes right here, and I'll wrap it up. I'm wrapping up right here. Musicians, get get, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Amen. We talk about impartation we like people to impart gifts and impart anointings and impart healings. I got an impartation for you this morning. I hope you don't hate me after this. But I want to impart to you that kind of fire that was in the prophet Jeremiah. He got frustrated with everybody, Pastor. Got upset nobody was listening to him. He said, that's it, I'm done. I quit. And old Jeremiah decided he wasn't preaching no more. He wasn't prophesying no more. He was done with it. They don't listen to me. I'm finished. Now, I don't know how long it took all I know is the next thing we hear from him was, but it was like a fire shut up in my bones. He tried to sit down, but he couldn't sit down. He tried to shut up, but he couldn't shut up. And so I am releasing a Jeremiah fire into your spirit that when you try to do nothing, <laughs> something will rise up inside of you and your hand will get to shake it. When you try not to worship, you just can't not worship. When you try not to go to Bible study, something to just get in your spirit. Said, I better get over there. I can't miss this Bible study. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I got to get to the house of the Lord. Try to miss prayer meeting, but something just won't let you try not to worship but something just won't let you try not to be faithful but something just won't let you that's that Jeremiah fire shut up in your bone I said I'm not going to preach but I couldn't help myself a fire got a hold of me and I had to preach tried not to pray but I couldn't stop myself the fire got a hold of me and I had to pray the fire got in me I release a fire in this place today that when you try to sit down you can't sit down ancient Jewish custom they had what they called cities of refuge For someone who had caused another person's death what today we might call manslaughter involuntary manslaughter so, you know in some accidental way or some carelessness or neglectful where they caused someone's death and the family members were going to come avenge that death, they were going to come take you out you cause their family member to die they're going to kill you that's Old Testament justice. But They had a custom. They had what they called sanctuary cities. And if you had committed such an act and you were in danger of your life, you could run to the sanctuary city. And if you could get in that city and behind those walls, those adversaries could not avenge that death as long as you were in the sanctuary city, as long as you were in the sanctuary of safety. Because the sanctuary cities were so important, Pastor. People were running for their lives to get to the sanctuary, the place of safety. They, in the city, had specific people assigned to keep the roadways clear. No debris on the roads that led to the sanctuary city. Because when the adversary is running behind you, And you're running to try to get free. They wanted to make sure there was nothing that would hinder those trying to get to the sanctuary. And so, folks, one day your loved ones are going to start making your way to this sanctuary. They're going to be in trouble. They're going to be sick, diseased, injured. They're going to be in a marriage crisis. They're going to be in an addiction crisis. They're going to have some problem. And they're going to start making their way to this sanctuary city called LifePoint. And when they start coming this way... We want to make sure we've been out there doing due diligence. We've got the roadways cleared. We've got everything ready for you. Come on, Ron. Come on, come on, come on. We've got it. Everything's ready. We got the songs playing. We got the spirit flowing. We got the fire hot in the altar. Everything. Come on, just get in here. You're going to be safe here. You're going to get saved here. You're going to get healed here. We've been waiting on you. We got everything prepared for you to go. I'm prophesying to life point. You better get ready for the harvest. Get ready for your loved ones. We when this church grows, they're not coming here from California. They're not coming here from Minnesota. When this church grows, it's going to be your loved ones, your prodigals, your family members, your co-workers. That's who's going to fill this church up. Let's make clear the way. Let's make the sanctuary city easy to get to. When somebody walks in, let's have such an atmosphere. Anybody can
0: pray here. Anybody can worship here. Anybody can get delivered here.